Thanks very much for that. My name is Rich. I'm one of the leaders of the church. If you're visiting here, uh, particularly if you're here to see the baptisms, my job this morning really is to explain what's going on and why your friend or family member is is doing it. And I'm going to try and do that in the next kind of 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, I'm going to, in the process of doing that, I'm going to make the least attractive offer of faith that you've ever heard. Okay. I'm, if you're not a Christian, if you're looking and investigating, this is the least attractive invitation anybody's ever made to you to have faith. If you're a Christian, uh, this just may illuminate a little bit more about what your decision to follow Jesus means um, and may again not be very attractive when I first read it to you. But we're going to go through and we're going to see what actually the implications of this are. So I'd like to read a passage to you. Uh, from Mark chapter uh, 8 verses 34 to 37, it'll appear behind me. And here's Jesus offering this least attractive invitation to faith. Jesus says this, he called the, that he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it And whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? When he's talking about anyone wants to be my disciple, he's just using a general word meaning uh, a follower, someone who's going to follow Jesus. We would talk today in our language in terms of that person being a Christian. A Christian is someone who's made a decision to follow Jesus and become one of his disciples. It's not a religious thing that you're brought up into uh, or you kind of acquire through the culture. It's even more, it's, it's more even than a kind of a, a way of believing and viewing the world. It's someone who's deliberately and personally committed their life to God through Jesus. And Jesus is saying in this least attractive invitation to faith, if anyone wants to be my disciple, in other words, if anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to become a real Christian, they need to deny themselves. That's not desperately attractive, is it? Do you like denying yourself? Hands up who's a big fan of denying yourself stuff. You think, do you know, there's nothing I like better when I really fancy doing something is just saying no and denying it. Think I just fancy some cheese and meats and some wine. No, I think I'll deny myself that. I'll come along to the evening and just not take part in it. Anyone a big fan? No. Our culture actually is predicated on the fact that the weight of fulfillment and satisfaction is to indulge your desires. It's like a cultural assumption that we are brought up with in, in, in the West, that the weight of fulfillment is actually to find out what you really want to do, and then you must express that, and you must uh, do whatever it is that you desire. And that really is the way to find fulfillment in life. That's, that's the message we get all the time, both subtly and overtly from our culture. The weight of fulfillment and satisfaction is not to deny yourself, but to indulge yourself, to express yourself. Whatever I feel inside is the real me, and I've got to do that and be that, otherwise I am denying myself. And many people in our culture would go further and say, actually, to deny yourself in the way that Jesus is talking about here is harmful. It's repressive. It's psychologically damaging. And you don't have to interact with the media in various forms for very long before you'll find someone expressing something of this view that actually if you don't do the things that you really feel like doing and be the person that you really feel like being, it's going to cause you long-term harm. So what's Jesus saying here? 
Is this a recipe to kind of mentally damage and frustrate a whole generation of people? Is he saying, if you want to come and be my disciple, you've got to be a repressed, psychologically withdrawn, stunted, emotional person? Which is what it kind of sounds like to us when we read this. You've got to deny yourself. Our culture says to be who you really are, to be really fulfilled, you have to do whatever it is that deep down inside you want to do and want to be. And I want to suggest this morning that there's at least two problems with that. And then we're going to explore how what Jesus says helps us to interact with those difficulties. The first problem is this. What do I really want? What do I really want? You see, we're all a mix of conflicting desires at various times, aren't we? You only need to sit down and look at the menu and think, pasta or pizza? I'm not sure. On a trivial level, those of you who've got little kids, pizza, we'll discuss that later. But but those of you who've got little kids or have had little kids, you know that on a really, really trivial basis, that the, the conflicting desires come in at the end of a really long day. You're really tired and it's time for the bedtime story. And there's part of you, you want to be a loving parent. Yeah, let's read the story again. I'll read the whole story. I won't skip pages because they spot that. But there's just another whole part of you, isn't it, that thinks, I just want to sit down and put my feet up. I can't go through Mr. Tiddles Goes to Market again. It's just not again. And on a really trivial level, you'll know what it is to kind of want to do something, but also really not want to do something. And that scrolls through our life in all sorts of ways, right up to the most far-reaching consequences. You, You love your spouse dearly. You've been together a long time. There's a good relationship there. But there's someone else, maybe at work, maybe someone you've been socialising with that you're drawn to and you're attracted to. And over time, those feelings grow and you're increasingly drawn to this person. You're in a real situation of conflicting desires. On the one hand, I love this person and I want to be faithful to them. But on the other hand, wow, I'm really drawn to this person. And wow, if we were together, it would be really, maybe that would just be a richer, fuller life. Which is the real you? If you want to buy into the line that says, I've got to express most fully everything I desire and want to do in order to be happy and to be fulfilled, which is the real you? Do you want to read the story or do you want to put your feet up? Do you want to stay faithful or do you want to have an affair? If we take the line that to express myself and to be fully rounded as an individual, I've got to do everything I need to feel inside. I need to know what it is that I really want inside. And I suggest that probably if you're like me, most of the time you're not really sure because you just feel the pull in different ways. On many levels we have this inner conflict. What do I really want? And it's a tension often between the immediate, the thing that's going to produce enjoyment, satisfaction straight away, and the longer term thing. Have you ever done anything you later regret? Conflicting desires. What do I really want? Right now, I just want to let you know exactly what I think of you. Boom, and it all comes out. I'll regret that later. The lie just slips out really quickly to get me out of a spot of bother. That's what I want. I just want the problem to go away. Now, now I've reaped all sorts of consequences as a result of that later on. Have you ever done anything that's illegal? You ever cheated? You ever betrayed anyone? You ever been unfaithful? We're all a mixture of conflicting desires. 
And that's the problem. How do you know what is the real you? If you're going to act on every desire you have, how do you know what you really want? I think that's the first problem with this idea that we need to indulge or express ourselves and our desires to be truly happy. The second one is this. Does it really work? Assume just for a minute that you can home in and find exactly what your real desires are. The things that you really want to do. Just assume for a minute that somehow you've got a way of telling what it is that you really want to do inside. Does it really work to constantly indulge over and over again in whatever it is you want to do right then? To express yourself and to do whatever you feel. Does that actually lead to fulfillment and satisfaction? Or do you find yourself looking for something more? Or do you find yourself thinking, yeah, I did do that and yeah, I'm still not quite there. Have you ever eaten a meal that's so fabulous you never want to eat again? Have you ever seen a film that's so incredible you never want to watch another I never need to see another movie as long as I live. Have you ever watched a sunset and thought, now I'm fulfilled. I never need to open my eyes again. Why is it that we're always looking for something more, for something beyond? Why is it that fulfilling our own desires is not enough? When it doesn't happen, what do you do? When your desires are thwarted, do you just simply say, if I could fulfill more of my desires, I would be more happy? Do you blame your circumstances, the people involved in you? Just, if I had a bit more money, I could afford to go and do this. If I wasn't tied in here, I could do that. Or is it that the fundamental idea that if I do whatever I want to do makes me happy is wrong? The problem is, we are not enough for ourselves and this is what Jesus is talking about you are not enough for yourself you are not enough to be at the center of your life it, trying to build a life on I want to fulfill my desires I want to express myself is like trying to give yourself a piggyback in theory it's a great idea but when you try it it turns out to be very very difficult and unrewarding it's like trying to sit on the mist You have a look at it and think, that will be comfortable. There's nothing there. It's insubstantial. We are not enough to be at the center of our own lives. We're not enough to be the source of meaning and fulfillment and happiness in ourselves. Which is why Jesus is coming to us and saying, if you want to find fulfillment, if you want to find satisfaction, you actually need to deny yourself. So how does Jesus help with this? So these are the problems. How does Jesus help with this? How does he help us find meaning and fulfillment in something beyond ourselves? The first thing is Jesus helps us find our true self. Because we're a a mixture, a mass of conflicting desires. Jesus comes to us and says, if you want to find fulfillment and satisfaction through being my disciple, you need to deny yourself. In other words, you need to shed the delusion that you at the center is enough for you. You need to shrug off. The, the, the kind of self-deception that says, as long as I'm at the center and I'm totally getting what I want, then I'm going to be happy. You can't be the source of meaning. It's why coming to Jesus and being his disciple and actually denying yourself, not indulging in everything you fancy, not expressing everything you want, is so liberating. Because suddenly we find a way through this mass of competing desires. We find actually the thing that all these desires are reaching out for. We are programmed, we're, 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 we're hardwired as psychological, emotional and spiritual beings to reach out for stuff, to find fulfillment. The problem is not that we're trying to find fulfillment in our desires. The problem is we're reaching out too low. We're, 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 we're setting our sights on something too basic. 
We're built for a relationship with God. We're built to connect with him and to know him. That's what all these desires for meaning and satisfaction and purpose are about. And yet we're not looking up to God. We're looking down at ourselves. We're looking to put ourselves at the center rather than putting God at the center. Jesus teaches that the reason we exist is to experience this connection and relationship with God. And the way to get it is to come through him to God. And anything else is just not enough for us. And yet we put all these God substitutes at the center of our lives. Most of us wouldn't say it's ourselves. Most of us are too... um, I don't know, cheeky to do that or self-deceptive. We wouldn't, that's not me at the center of my life. I'm going to put my kids at the center. They're the thing that really give me purpose. I'm going to put my family. I'm going to put the relationship I'm in or, or my aspiration to be in a relationship or my career or the respect I get from other people or the, my physical appearance. I'm going to put something at the center of my life, which is a God substitute. And in doing so, we're trading away the real thing we're looking for, this connection with God, for the magic beans. We're thinking, if only I was, I could be happy if only I was a bit thinner, if only I was a bit fitter, if only I was a bit more popular, if only I had a bit more money, if only I had a bit more prestige, if only I was in a relationship, if only the relationship I was in was better, if only my kids behaved better, if only I had kids, if only I had more kids. We want to smell nice, but instead of perfume, we're splashing water from a puddle on ourselves and wondering why we still stink. We're, we're hungry, and instead of eating fine cuisine, we're chewing on gravel and wondering why it's both unsatisfying and unnourishing. It's because we're aiming too low. You are not enough. You need God. And that's what Jesus comes and he says, by denying yourself, by moving yourself from the center and putting God at the center, you can find what this is really all about. That's why he has this paradoxical kind of statement in verse 35 and verse 36 about gaining and losing. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will save it. That's kind of paradoxical, isn't it? You want to, you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. All right, I'll lose it then. Hey, you just saved it. What? He's saying, you want to be at the center? Brilliant. You'll be on the margins and you'll get nothing. You move yourself out of the center and have God at the center of your life. Suddenly you find, wow, I've gained everything I was looking for. I've gained my deepest heart's desires and found that actually there's something beyond myself. Jesus frees us to find our true self. Jesus frees us to find our true desires. When we come to Jesus and become Christians, when we commit our lives to him, we actually find that we understand this inner conflict that's going on within us. We find it's not completely, it doesn't solve the pizza pasta dilemma. We'll discuss that afterwards. It doesn't always resolve the bedtime story dilemma. But we find many of the dilemmas it does resolve. We suddenly think, do you know, I get clarity because I'm no longer thinking despite the fact I've been in this relationship for so long, yet this is so attractive over here. We suddenly think, you know, I understand now through Jesus that there are desires that pull me away from wholeness, away from harmony with my creator and with my own nature. And, And there are desires that pull me towards God. That pull me towards the center. And we find through Jesus as we follow him, actually we get clarity about how to handle these conflicting desires within us. We realize it's not about finding the real me inside and expressing it. It's finding the real God at the center and orienting ourselves around him and around his life. 
to really fulfill yourself, you do not need to indulge yourself. You do not need to express yourself. You need to deny yourself and find that you are not enough to give yourself purpose, satisfaction, meaning. You need to deny yourself because you're too small. You're too insubstantial. You're too insignificant to give yourself proper meaning, purpose, satisfaction, and fulfillment. You need something bigger. You need something grander. You need something purer. You need something more noble. You need something more admirable. You need something more breathtaking than yourself. Do you stagger yourself when you look in the mirror? Wow. We sung that song, Amazing Grace. Does the grace of God amaze you? Does God himself take your breath away? Ah, now we've found something that we can put at the center of our lives. Now we've found something that gives us purpose, meaning, satisfaction. We've found something non-trivial. We've found something substantial. Jesus frees us to find our true self. Jesus frees us to, to understand our true desires. So what do I do, lastly? This is what Jesus says you want to do. You want to be his disciple. You want to find meaning, purpose, satisfaction, fulfillment, wholeness, harmony with yourself and your creator. Jesus says you need to do this. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Still not that attractive in some ways. We're still lurking on with a little bit of this. Deny myself. Am I going to lose? Am I committing to a life of religious aestheticism? You're possibly wondering if you've come to see someone baptized. Is this the end of life as they know it? Is this, is this the point where everything is, is kind of misery and drab and, and just desperately trudging through religious observances? That doesn't sound like what I've been describing though, does it? That doesn't sound like wholeness, fulfillment, purpose, satisfaction. It doesn't sound like finding the one thing all the desires inside of you have been reaching out for. God himself is endlessly fulfilling and satisfying. It's not easy. We'll see in a moment. It's incredibly difficult to follow Jesus and be his disciple. But it's worth it. There's some substance at the center at last. But in order to get that, we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny the, 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 the delusion that we're at the center. We have to give up on the self-sabotaging attempts to find satisfaction by cutting ourselves off from the one thing that gives us satisfaction, which is God himself. What does Jesus say we have to do? We need to deny ourselves. But he goes on and says, you need to take up your cross and follow me. What does he mean, take up your cross? Does it mean wear a little kind of religious little silver thing around you take up the cross got it okay there it is it's an invitation to die it's the least attractive invitation to faith ever Jesus says you want to be my disciple you've got to deny yourself you've got to take up your cross the only people who carried crosses in Jesus' day were executed people on their way to execution Jesus himself on his way to execution, right, you carry the cross, the cross beam probably, that's going to be nailed onto. When Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, you've got to take up your cross, he says, you've got to die. It's an invitation to die. Attractive? Not so much. He's saying you've got to die to this idea that you are central. You've got to die to the old way of living. You've got to die to the idea that by pleasing myself and expressing myself and fulfilling myself, I'm somehow going to find myself. Jesus says, no, actually, you'll lose yourself. When he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. When he says, what good will it gain you if you gain the whole world, yet lose your soul? The words translated life and soul in the original language that Jesus was speaking, they're the, it's the same word. 
And, and, and it means your real self. You, you, deep down, you. says so you want to gain yourself, you're going to lose yourself. But you lose yourself for him, for Jesus, the gospel. You suddenly find yourself. What's, what's, good if, what, what's the point of gaining the respect, the fitness, the physique, the haircut, the friendship circles, the relationship, the career, the finances, the home, the car, the pets? What good is it of gaining all of that if you lose your real self? But Jesus says the only way to find your real self is to die to the delusion that you're central. To die to the delusion that by excluding God from your life, life is going to work better. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to die. And actually, psychologically and spiritually, to die to this delusional self really works. It frees us from being the lonely kid on the, on the roundabout, just pushing it round, round he goes, on our own, on our own, going round and round and round in life, wondering why we're not getting anywhere. To try and live life out of harmony with your creator is psychologically and spiritually and emotionally damaging. It's like sitting on one end of the seesaw and pushing yourself up. You know, you can get somewhere for a bit, but it doesn't really seem to be the point, does it? It's a lot of effort, and you come back down again quickly. Seesaw, clue to the uninitiated, seesaws are not designed to be a one-man operation. And yet we try and live our lives as if it's a one-person operation. We need to be connected with God to understand how this works. So the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to die to everything that separates us from him. To all the wrong ways of thinking, the wrong ways of acting, the wrong ways of coping, the wrong ways of trying to find fulfillment. It's an invitation to die to all of that. Christians sometimes talk about this as repenting, which means to turn away from the way you were living. And that's partly what's going on here in the baptism. We're going to baptize some people in a few minutes. The, the, the lying down into the water. It's partly a symbol of being washed clean, but it's also partly a, a symbol of, of dying, a symbol of the old life going down into the grave. As, 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 as the guys lower these people down, it's a picture of their old life outside of Jesus has died. Because Jesus says, if you want to come to me and be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. It's an invitation to death. But it's also an invitation to life. Jesus finishes by saying, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to follow me. Jesus is not just inviting you to die. He's inviting you to live. He's inviting you to reconnect with God through him, to find the point of your existence, to find there is someone at the other end of the seesaw who can make this work for me. There's someone else who's going to stop me endlessly going around in circles. I don't need to trade everything off for magic beans of of illusion, of satisfaction, and meaning, these things that can never deliver. Jesus is inviting us to reconnect with God through him. Jesus was the son of God. He came to earth as a human. He lived a life. He died a death on the cross. He doesn't invite you to something he's not prepared to do himself. Jesus doesn't say, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, and I'll be sitting in an armchair watching you. Jesus was God himself, came to earth, who denied himself to be obedient to God the Father. He denied himself so that you and I can reconnect with God through him. He denied himself to the point where he allowed the Roman soldiers to pull his arms out and nail him up onto the cross. Take in the guilt. And the sin 
that has separated us from God. Jesus denied himself, literally took up his cross so that you can follow him, so that you can reconnect with God through him. He doesn't ask you to do anything he's not prepared to do himself. To become a Christian is to die to the old life. It's to live to a new God-centered life in Jesus. To become a Christian, a real Christian, a follower of Jesus, is to hand over the keys to your life to Jesus. It's to give the whole life, the rest of your life to Jesus. It's not to say I'm going to give you the key to the religious part of my life, or I'm going to give you the key to my spirituality. Saying, Jesus, I'm going to give you the keys to my whole life. You're the boss. You're in charge. You hold the keys. You call the shots. You're the Lord. I trust you. I'm going to follow you. That's what a real Christian is. That's what a real disciple is. To do it, you have to die. And you have to rise to this new life. That's what's going on in baptism. Just as we lay people down to symbolize the death of the old, we raise them up to symbolize in Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you don't just die, but you live. You get this new life of God living in you. You find the harmony, the reason for existence. But to get it, you've got to deny yourself. We saw the Olympics a little while ago. The Paralympics are now kicking off a sort of different kettle of fish. Both of them, it's really hard to win a medal, isn't it? I saw a guy yesterday on the telly playing table tennis with his mouth, serving with his foot. Did you see it? Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Nobody gets anywhere in the Olympics or the Paralympics without denying themselves. If you want to be a top athlete, you wake up in the morning, it's cold and rainy, you don't think, I'll stay in bed. Deny yourself, I'm getting up because I've got a greater goal ahead of me. When you're a top athlete, Olympics, Paralympics, you follow a strict training diet. You don't just think, do you know what, my desire takeaway tonight, please. Double biryani. Deny yourself, why? To, to get a lesser life? No, no, for a greater goal. If anyone wants to become a Christian, if anyone wants to follow Jesus, you need to deny yourself, not for the lesser, but for the greater. The only way to win a goal is to deny yourself. And Jesus is inviting us not to be people who muck around in you know, the kind of wheezy guy at the back of the race plodding on because you never got up in the morning and you're too many tandoories. Jesus is inviting us to connect with God, but we can only do it through denying ourselves, dying, and rising to new life in Jesus. I started off telling you this was the most unattractive offer to faith you've ever heard. If I've done my job properly, you'll have turned a little bit in thinking, do you know what? It's a challenge, it's tough, it's not easy, but there's something worth denying myself for in this. There's something worth taking up my cross and dying and rising for again. If I've done my job properly and you're a Christian here, you should be thinking, I want to follow Jesus more wholeheartedly. If I've done my job properly and you're investigating, you're not necessarily call yourself a Christian, you're looking in, you should be thinking, I want to find out a little bit more about this. There's all sorts of ways you can do it. Jeff talked about them earlier. Sun, just come on Sundays here. Great way to find out more. Alpha, great way to find out more. The women's breakfast animal will be a brilliant, brilliant speaker. Glenn at the wine tasting is going to be brilliant. We've got a whole host of ways you can talk to someone here. But I would say, why not investigate? When you get tired of the seesaw just coming back down, thinking, I'm not getting anywhere, it's time to think about denying yourself and following Jesus. And you may be in a position of thinking, I don't need any more convincing. I want to do this now. 
And I'm going to give you a chance to do that now. Can we just close our eyes for a minute? No one's going to steal your stuff. Don't worry. It's not a, it's not a trick here. Just close your eyes. And I'm going to give you a moment. If you either have never deliberately, consciously committed the whole of the rest of your life to God through Jesus, and you know you want to do it now, you're prepared to deny yourself to take up your cross, to die to your old life, to begin a new life following Jesus, then I want you to pray in your heart what I'm praying now. Jesus, thank you you died for me. I'm sorry my life has been lived away from you. I want to give you my whole life now. I want to be a disciple. I want to put God at the center. I'm turning away from everything that's wrong. And I'm turning to you, Jesus. I'm giving you the whole of my life for the rest of my life. Amen. If you've done that, you need to grab me or Jeff or someone you know here and just say, I became a Christian this morning. What do I need to do next? And we'll give you a few tips as to how to go forward in that. If you want to find out more and just investigate before taking that step, come and find one of us again and we can point you in the direction of things that can help you investigating. But I'm just going to pray for all of us now and I'm going to hand back to Jeff. Jesus, on behalf of all of us here, I want to thank you that you love us. I thank you that you were willing to deny yourself, take up your cross so that we could follow you. And I want to pray for every one of us in the room today that we can more fully experience the harmony of relationship with our creator God and the joy and delight of turning away from destructive desires to follow you. Please help all of us to be the gold medal winning attitude as we reach for the highest of all things, God himself. Amen.